I did a, um, a talk at the Penzance Literary Festival um, about writing last year. And in fact, it was um, a woman in the audience was talking to the, the publisher who was also doing a presentation and said, oh, you know, that she'd, she'd been the same place as me and had never, ever heard anyone else talk about it or anything else. And that was just, I thought, well, I've just reached one person. And she said, um, an extraordinary thing. She said she's had this pain in her face that her doctor couldn't work out what it was caused by. And she said, listening to me, the pain had gone. Welcome to episode three of the Full Stop podcast with Michael Hughes from Married and Childless, Sarah Lawrence from After the Storm, and me, Verony Smith from Walk in Our Shoes. In this episode, we're continuing our theme of writing our stories. And we're joined by Leslie Pine, author of Finding Joy Beyond Childlessness, who has an exciting competition for all of our listeners. But first, please welcome Tessa Broad, author of Dear You, who chatted to Sarah and Michael about her book and her writing process. So, hello everyone. Welcome to the Full Stop podcast. And today we're talking to Tessa Broad, who um, author of Dear You, um, sort of a it's a memoir stroke letter, isn't it, to your your children or as your family basically. Uh, and we're going to talk to you today all about your book, how it is to write, and about you really. <laughs> so no no prep or anything for this. So um, no. so yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you for- very much. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm uh, I'm always delighted to talk about writing I mean I can witter on about writing um you know for, for England so um oh, oh fantastic <laughs> yeah well, well you're like, you might have to rein me in you know my husband says he can't get a word in with a hammer and chisel sometimes so you know calm you know do do tell me to shut up um but I mean I've I've always written um and I sort of I think sometimes I sort of say think oh you know I have this need to write and people might think that sort of you know some sort of fancy prose that I want to you know show but no it's not that I just scribe it out I just write stuff out and um a dear friend of mine said to me she's sort of got quite into meditation which I think is a wonderful thing and I do try and do it but I I tend to fall asleep or you know think about my (laughs) burgeoning to-do list um and she very sweetly said to me she said well Tess your writing is your meditation that's what you do. And I sort of thought, oh God, that is so true. Because I sometimes find if, I mean, I keep a, a daily journal um, and I, you know, I don't necessarily, I try and do that uh, Julia Cameron thing, The Artist's Way, which is a wonderful book about um, writing. And she suggests doing morning pages sort of before you've done anything else, you do those. I don't always quite manage that, but I do usually, sometimes I write loads of pages, but I do try and do that. And it's just about just getting your stuff out on your page. And um, I find that that's, it's kind of soothing for me. And if I, if I haven't, if I feel myself out of sorts, very often it's because I haven't managed to have some time with my notebook. Um, and I have, uh, um, I buy these looky-likey moleskins from um, Lidl. They're not as expensive as moleskins. They look just like them. And, um, and I write in those and I write always in a, with a fountain pen. Uh, brown ink. I mean, it's just a bit of a quirky thing. But I think by um, sort of thinking about that, I think 
I do that because it's like a ritual then for me. It's like that this is my time, my time with my words. So I just, I just write however, you know, however mad, bad or sad it is, I just scribe it out. And, um, and I think that's, I mean, so I then, that sort of made me think I, I might be able to, to write um, in that sometimes, mostly I don't read my, you know, my journals. Um, but when I sort of went back to them, sometimes I thought, hmm, you know, sometimes that's actually you know, quite profound. You know, when I'm trying to work through a difficult time. And um, so I did start writing fiction. I read, I read a book by Nick Hornby called High Fidelity, which is a very, sort of, I oh, loved yeah. it. You know, and it's a very sort of, you know, you feel like he's your mate telling you what's been happening. And that really made me think, oh, you know, I think I could maybe do something like that. So I'd written, you know, um, some fiction and had got in, you know, various responses from agents and things that wasn't really getting anywhere. And I did think about writing my, about my infertility through a fictional character. But I thought, well, I expect the editor will need a baby at the end, you know, and I don't want a baby at the end of, of the fiction that I would write about infertility. Um, and anyway, I thought, then I sort of toyed with that. And I also was writing a, a straight memoir just about the treatment. Because um, I had my treatment way back in the, because um, I'm quite a dinosaur. I had it back in uh, the late 80s, early 90s. And um, I think it was, well, obviously, it was obviously even less talked about then. Mm. So I sort of, with hindsight, I think writing, I, I wrote the straight memoir because I felt people didn't get me and then when I hit on this idea of because I had then um and it's interesting because in Jodie's book she suggests writing a letter and that was so brilliant because I read Jodie's book quite a bit after I'd done my little letter I would it was around the time um in my life when I was in my early I think it was about 40 41 and a friend of mine not a you know not a close friend but an acquaintance in the village had was 40 got married and got pregnant and it was kind of a I had kind of thought oh I wouldn't you know I had thought I'd put that to one side and that mm. kind of brought it all back and um, I wrote a little letter to my unborn children the names I'd got for them and everything this little two-page beautifully written thing and I've still got it in a little envelope um, and um, and that really felt quite a release for me um, I mean, I actually wrote the words, you know, mummy on the bottom and, uh, you know, I just, I thought, of, I thought, well, you know, this is what I would have done. This is what I would have done if I was your mum. Cause I always used to have got quite a vivid imagination and I always used to imagine my own kids. Mm. And, um, and obviously as you sort of, as I realized I was sort of you know, moving on from not having them, um, I thought, I mean, I think a lot of, um, childless people feel you know, there's all these little anecdotes they want to pass down, these little, uh, you know, our little stories, our you know, little nuggets of advice. So, dear you, I, I talked about what it's like to have treatment, but also it was, a, it was a, quite an indulgence for me, really, to sort of say to what I would have liked to have been able to say to my own children, just about general stuff, life in general, um, uh, you know, about, well, the need, well, my, my particular need, for thank you letters, for example, um, you know, I mean, 
especially nowadays when you can take you about three well it takes me 20 seconds it probably takes a you know a young person about two seconds to ping off a thank you text yeah but it's all you know it does oh thank no people don't do thank yous anymore well uh you know my children would have you know would have, i would have stood over them with a big stick probably oh actually we can't say that anymore <laughs> um you know to say you must say thank yous and little things like that so i was dear you became really fun to write in a way in that i could i could continue this the conversation that i would have had and and um and and pass on all these things mm. um so obviously there are there's there's sadness in it because um i also talk about you know how it is to be like we've we've all we all know to, to sort of be misunderstood um when you've wanted to have children and you're not able to and and i mean even though many people have read my book so they know how i feel i still get those saying well it's not all rosy colored you know spectacles yeah. and i said oh well i do kind of know that yeah. um but i sort of when i think about trying to get empathy from other people um you know they've either got it or they haven't i think sometimes and if someone isn't going to get it if they're going to think oh you know it's it, it you know just think think you're, you're making a fuss or whatever then just just let them go on i think just let them yeah you know, you're not going to reach some people but i think um yeah i think all the work that you guys are doing and and you know everybody in this community is making people making people think i think it's that i mean and i still do it that assumption that you'll be able to have children you know everyone oh you know when well of course you know when everyone's um uh, jody mentioned in her about the, the royal marriage and you know and all the expectation of course obviously there's going to be a royal baby and you know well yes i suppose they check them out who knows yeah. but um yeah um you know of course there's a royal baby um and so it, it, I think that all makes us assume that it's, that it's easy for everybody. It's like, I mean, I mentioned in the book about this, this uh, you know, like Apple and Facebook suggest, you know, freezing, allowing women to, to freeze their eggs, you know, so they can put that off later because obviously that's going to work. You know, you're, you know, it's not, as I say, I think I'd say in my dear you, it's not like making an extra lasagna at the weekend, to, you know, to have in the week when you're busy. You know, you know, you've got to be a little bit, uh, you know, it's not so glib, I think, about fertility. And I know uh, Jessica, is, um, for, you know, um, Fertility First is, is doing a lot of work um, for infertility education, because I think there's, there's still way too much ignorance out there. No, um, I think you're right. I think there's, there is this assumption, <clears throat> excuse me, there is this assumption that if you go down IVF, the, the percentage rates are, you know, astronomical. And I think some of that comes through IVF clinics, doesn't it? Because mm. they perpetuate that myth. Mm. But it, do you feel that's why in the book you were, you wrote an awful lot around the IVF part of it as well? Is that to perhaps dispel some myths? Do you Absolutely. Think? Yes. Because I think the media often portray it as, you know, well, why, why don't you do IVF? You know, or, you know, mm. well, IVF, well, you know, and everyone, you know, even people who are in their 60s, you know, they can, they can go and, you know, because of course there is the odd example. Um, for the vast majority of people, it's, it's a horrendous slog. Um, 
and it's it's such a pressure and it's and i think that also i make the, the point in the there's kind of no there's no release from it is there there's the, there's the build up there's the hopeful fortnight beforehand and then all this drugs and stuff and then then the disappointment afterwards and then and then when you're going to do it again are you going to wait are you going to it's just relentless for anybody who's you know anyone i mean i've never it's a funny thing for me that i have never met anyone else in my life try you know on on the road to it um i mean whether people would come up to me now now that i'm kind of you know more mm -hmm. you know it's it's kind of known and um, maybe it's because it's slightly my generation would talk about it less but i i mentioned in the book that even when um uh it was post my marriage breakdown so i was a bit raw but a woman mentioned in uh, well, some art class I was at, at that um, she'd had treatment and I still didn't dive in and say, oh yeah, um, that's, you know, that's, that's me as well. Um, I mean, uh, like I did a little blog about um, sort of more creative small talk because trying to get across this, you know, this, this thing when we always ask people about their kids, have they got any kids? And, you know, if you say no and look a bit wistful or, you know, then, oh, oh you know, the whole tone of the conversation wow. is, oh, mm. and then what do you say? You sort of say, oh, no, it didn't happen for me. And you try and, and because you're looking out for them, you're trying to, you don't want it to be awkward. You don't want them to feel, you know, I mean, conversations can be a minefield. You could ask about whether somebody had a dog that they just had put down the day before or something, you know, I mm. mean, um, I think we're lazy with our small talk. You know, we just ask the easy stuff. But I think that sometimes it's made me sort of be a bit careful about, um, you know, what if you don't know somebody, that's a, it's a, well, like I say, so in my blog, it's like saying, you know, is your sex life productive? You know, <laughs> you know, how are your sperm? Are they, you know, are they live little critters or are they, you know, are they a bit on the low side? <laughs> I mean, it's so, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you would. Uh, it's so personal, but people do say, kids, you know, they wouldn't say, how's your uterus? Is that, you know, is that uh, fine and dandy, would they? It's, you know, they don't realize, of course, that it, it, that's, that's because it's just, a, you know, a lot of people, most people, I suppose, have children. Yeah. What I feel is, is that with, with most conversations, um, if people have them, they may well bring them into the conversation or, or maybe they won't um, because they won't feel that that's not what they're all about. Um, so yeah, just, just let it come up. I think rather than, I think rather than ask outright, but I think it's just, it's just late. We're just lazy, aren't we? We're just making small talk and that's an easy thing to ask. Oh, it's yeah. It's the same thing. So it's the presumption, isn't it? That everyone has children. Nobody, mm. I think outside, if you've got a family outside that, you're not thinking of, Oh, well, it could possibly be that they don't it's just seen mm. as the norm mm. So, mm. so i was going to ask you about your blog posts actually not just your book but i was i was sort of having a look around your website reading about your drab duck and your your bedside duck and yeah. some of the other bits is blogging for you is it is it a lot different to writing the book is it um, a different process yeah yes i mean i don't do um i want to do more of i've got a notebook full of things because i write everything out um, that I want to put on there just I mean I part, partly wanted to sort of carry on from the letter to the children in that you know look I just got this you know what do you think of this or or you know or you know my sort of you know present sort of 
you know, pet hate or something that's happened in the media that I want to sort of, you know, say something about. Um, it's different. I think it's, um, I feel it's more casual. And um, I think, I think what I've learned about it actually is um, to make it more personal mm. and to make it honest. I mean, I learned an amazing thing from my editor of, uh, well, the publisher of Red, Red Door Books, Claire Christian. When I sent my manuscript into Claire, um, there's a part in the book where, um, in the original manuscript, where I witter on about other people's children. I mean, I've got some fabulous relationships with other people's children. I mean, I, you know, I really have, and I sort of want to be a bit of a mentor to one or two of them. And I mean, at times, you know, I have been, and it's been fabulous. And I, I went on and on and on about that. And Claire said to me, she said, Tess, I, I don't know, there's something, your voice changes there. I'm not quite sure what it is, you know, and I was, oh, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, but I went back to it and looked at it and I thought, hmm, I'm not being honest here. Mm. This is what I want um, people to think of me, that I have got this, um, you know, the, these relationships and that they are a salve for me, that, you know, as, as I have got children in my life, um, you know, everything is better. And I wrote, I wonder if I can find it. I wrote a, I wrote a passage um, that, you know, in fact, I mean, I, conduct, I condensed it down. Um, I'm fiddling around doing it. Um, but where basically I just went down to a paragraph of saying, yes, I have these relationships, um, but they will never, ever, ever be you. you know, the children mm. I never had. And... And that and it flowed so easily that that paragraph then it was um, and I realised that 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 is the key and that is the key of anyone writing memoir I think is is to be honest if you're trying to um, present a different self I think um, or what how you think people should see you it's not going to flow you're, in, fact, in fact you're going to struggle and you're you're it, when you're writing honestly it's easy. Is that I think when you're trying to be somebody that you're not, mm. um, you, well, you're you're trying to sort of yes, it's you're you're trying to craft it more, and it's 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 going to be it's going to be a tough it's going to be tough to do. So that was a real thing that I learned from from that, um, and I think that's what I love about the blog is that I can sort of um, I had a little bit of a rant about uh, bickering couples as well in there. Oh, yeah. About, you know, when you're going out for the evening and those people are having a little sort of, you know, these sort of put downs disguised as humour when someone's sort of, you know, and they're obviously not having a fine time to each other. And I just think, oh, you know, you stay at home if you can't get over yourself. Or, you know, like my husband and I will probably quite, you know, dare, we'll probably might have had a huge barney before we go out. But when we're, hi, you know, we put it away. <laughs> hey, we're not going to inflict it on our friends. <laughs> and, if, and if we can't get beyond beyond that then well just stay at home so I mean you know things like that I mean I probably wrote that just after I had an evening out with a couple who were having a bit of you know yeah um so that's what I love about blogging is being able to I think yeah just 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 write honestly um it's actually been, it's actually been really nice listening to that um because um I've my father has had eight books published wow um 
unfortunately we ne he never made it big so you know well yes but we shouldn't measure that really should we oh well, i was just thinking of his son and the inheritance that's all oh, <laughs> oh yeah no um, i don't see what you mean yes because the royalties are rubbish aren't they <laughs> but so i've always i've always that's always been there for me about mm, you know write a book and i've i've always had ideas but it's always put me off not been a oh, well-educated right. person but I totally agree with you when you talk about blogging is so honest because I find that when I write mine, that's how I write them and, and it it just works. Mm. It just it just works, you know. And I like I like you. I mean and your your personality then comes out. And I think that's what people people want to see. They want to they want this this lovely thing that like was the work that you do. It's something of, yeah, that's me too. You know, there's mm. nothing better than than realizing. I mean, it doesn't really matter how different your backgrounds are, what you are, your age, your shape, your size, your situation, your status. Um, if you've if you've had a similar experience, you're just you just know each other. It's just like a it's an instant bond, and uh, it's, a, so it's a great thing. Listening to you talk about your 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 IVF journey, so. I don't think Vicky and I were far behind you in terms of when we had it. Mm. And um, I, I just felt this connection with you right there. You know, it yeah, just, it was, yeah. you know, it was just, I know what you're talking about. You know, I, I, I can vis, vid, vividly, you know, imagine that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Powerful stuff. Mm. It's actually shut me down a little bit because I've all, I've, all, I've internalized now. I think I'm listening to you and I'm going, Oh, well, Oh yeah. Uh, well, I think I mean I think there's a um a part of me that's that's um you know is is Jody talks about the grieving that you you sort of you don't really realize that you're you're doing it and I think that actually writing um dear you really made me realize I mean I sort of knew it was a grief but I sort of I don't think I was ever uh kind enough to myself about that um and in my life i've i've in fact towards the end of the book i talk about the fact that i've had my 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 first marriage broke down kind of in the middle of the the ivf malarkey and um so that was sort of a another grieving situation which isn't proper properly recognized with a funeral and a goodbye but basically the man i loved was no longer in my home and with me so i'd lost lost somebody so there's a grieving going on there um with my late father he had dementia so i was losing him in increments and again a, a grief that's you're grieving when they're still alive um so again it's a grief that's not um sort of uh, properly acknowledged i think you know and i and I've, i think i've said somewhere else that um I don't think it, it doesn't matter if you if you do it publicly or you know I think you just need to acknowledge it to yourself that this is what it is and if you're not getting that the appropriate support and, and everything from everybody else because you know sometimes people just aren't able to do it um give it to yourself mm. you know be kind to yourself uh and because um you know, people aren't always going to get you um, and and do the right thing. But if you just acknowledge it to yourself, I think, and, and I think however anyone deals with grief is the right way for them. We've all got different ways of doing it. 
Um, so I think just trust really that you'll find your own way. Um, I mean, for example, I mean, the other, just the other, I mean, I sort of, you know, I'm sort of, you know, right on the fields that I'm, you know, happily landed in the land of acceptance. But just the other day, I drove past um, uh, a lady and her curly haired daughter picking blackberries in the, you know, in the hedger. And I thought, oh, I'd have done that. You know, and probably if I, my little girl, she might have had my curly hair. And, you know, but it wasn't a sort of a, um, you know, or, but it was, I think like with any sort of uh, bereavement, um, it never goes away. It just, it's, it changes and it's different. And, and I think that, uh, you know, many people sort of have expected to, to get over, expected mm. to get over stuff so quickly and it's just it's just you've just got to honor actually though this is a big thing i shouldn't be expected to shrug that off and just um and obviously this is not it's not you know you're not a great company if you're out out all the time bleating and bailing about something that's gone wrong in your life of course not but i i mean you know to yourself just every now and again mm. you know i think and also um you know pat yourself on the back about how well you're doing you know yes. definitely uh, i think that's the beauty of writing actually isn't it yes it's sort of as you say you can't go out socially and start sort of going on about how hard life is <laughs> <laughs> so totally unacceptable um but you know with the writing i found like blogging um is a place where it can be as toxic as you like it can mm. be mm. as without you know grammatically incorrect it can be full of swear you know, I, I love your stuff about saying no and things because i am you know i, I i've read, read that and I, um i mean i am mrs people pleaser and um you know trying to and so but then if you are a, if you are one of those people then you start saying no they're like oh people are what so but you know but then so again reading as you've written i mean you say you grammatically correct or anything, but I mean, I think your writing is brilliant. Um, oh, thank you. So, you know, but so you're again, though, you're, you're reading someone else's feelings and, and emotions and, um, and they resonate so often they do. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's the beauty of it. It's the shared experience because it is so lonely. You think you're the only person going through it, don't you? When you're in the midst of mm -hmm. grief and potentially a fertility journey, maybe IVF or something like that, mm -hmm. I think it is the loneliness. I, and I feel it's, it's, I feel it's, I mean, it's, it's a, I suppose it's a mixture of things. For me, nobody talked about it ever. And I was sort of mm. secretly go at getting on with it. Now it is more in the open. But what is also more in the open, I mean, for example, I went um, with one of my, actually one of the young people in my life who I'm, you know, is, is, I'm really glad to have in my life. We went for a uh, lunch and in this beautiful little cafe, something was going on. I, we, did, we thought it might have been a hen lunch or something. And then I noticed this little uh, sign up saying, welcome to the world. And it was a, a pre-baby shower mm. and the pregnant, not shower, I don't know what you call it. Uh, the pregnant woman had a little bow round her tummy and I glanced over and I said to my friend, I said, oh, and there was one or two women I could see at this thing and I thought, oh, you don't want to be here. And I remember saying to my friend, I think, thank goodness, thank goodness, none of my pregnant friends 
did that had these you know there's so much about well there's so much about um the babies on facebook and you know it's it's it is everywhere for anyone going through treatment now um i mean i you know when i used to to to, to see a pregnant woman in the street it would i could almost you know it would almost make me well up and and um have a difficulty so there's there's much more of it now mm. um you know you can't get away from it but you actually i mean i had sort of um thought before about writing with a piece of on a piece of paper with a pen um and and get away from you know go somewhere quiet and scribe away with no wi-fi no device no anything and and yeah and have your private time with your thoughts rather than flicking through a load of screens of a a world or a, a way a live web that you that you want because yeah you're you probably difficult to get away from it i would think for, for people, people having treatment now i'd say so you've got all sorts now you gender reveal baby shower pre-baby shower yes gender um, reveal. Not to mention all the lamp. Oh gosh, it's, it's an American thing, I think, isn't it? Yeah, we can blame uh, the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I I think that um, well, I suppose that the thing for people who are going through treatment now is is to is to is to, is to join these groups, isn't it? And uh, and um, or who are you know who 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 who, who treatment has failed for recently or they're recently making a decision to stop treatment or whatever um yeah is to is to is to get with your light minds and get and and mm. um yeah that's the way of of dealing with it rather than but i mean again I, I, the, the isolation then doesn't go away um in that then you do feel separate and different and i i still do and i um i mean i do i tend to prefer the company of men and I think that that is probably because there's there's not going to be any you know baby talk mm. or anything like that. I mean, I you know I just that's I do I do tend to if if I can see if I'm at a function and the and the, uh, sometimes it sort of happens that the women end up one end of the room and the men end up the end. I mean, I, if I'm stuck with the women, I think oh, I'll make an excuse, go to the lavatory, and then go back and chat to the men because I find that. Do you, I mean, Michael? Do you find that? Um, you know, men talk about less, but does that make that harder for you then? Oh, I'm probably a bit of a unique, a unique case because, <laughs> as my wife says, uh, you're one of the girls. <laughs> well, you see, uh, you see, but I love girl bloke, girly blokes, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, because uh, because I've I work in heavy industry. I I work with I've worked with men from the the last. 26 years and so for me um I, I like to be around women because it's different yeah yeah and and you know it, it, because i'm not a blokey bloke i mean i played rugby union but i i don't watch sport you know i'm not a motorsport fan much to the um amazement of a lot of my male friends <laughs> but um yeah, it's so. Yeah, I might be a bit of a unique case because oh, I don't. Well, I, mean, I think you. No, it's. Um, sorry, I interrupted you there, which is kind of what That's I do. All right. That's all right. <laughs> I fin finish other people's sentences for them. <laughs> I try and curve that habit, but I can't stop doing it. Um, but 
Well, I think the thing is, is, is well, is that like with Jodie's work, it's about finding your tribe, isn't it? And I think that now people, because I had my entire community to my book launch, um, and so they kind of, oh, I don't know, if, I mean, I would, I mean, I'm a real reader, so a lot of them might not have even read the, read the book. Um, so I feel that people now get me, but, um, and one or two, I think more, more people um, have uh, said to me, close friends and things, that they didn't quite realise how it was mm. for me mm. and had found the book quite an emotional read, some of my very close friends. And some of them then start, I mean, bizarrely, the ones thinking that they hadn't done enough and been kind enough were the ones that actually had been mm. kind. And I mean, particularly I've got a dear friend who's, who was very, I, I mean, like, not, not like some people, I mean, I don't, can't cope with babies at different times. In the, I loved being with babies and cuddling babies. I pretend they were mine. And um, a dear friend would, you know, she would just, I remember she would, her child was only about three months old and she had to go off and do a, oh, some course or other. And she said, oh, would you, would you, you know, would, would you come over? I said, I don't know. I won't know what to do. I won't know what to do with it. She said, Pez, you'll know just as much as me. Just because I've had it doesn't make me, she said, you're so, you've got much more common sense than me. And she gave me that. She said, oh, you, and of course it did cry. The dear boy did cry the entire time that she was away, I think, virtually. But um, it was her, her uh, showing that her trust in me to care for her child I mean, it didn't stop my longing or anything, but it gave me a lovely, some lovely time with her children, which I, I did enjoy. Um, whereas others have, I felt excluded from. Um, and again, I know for some people that they, they, wouldn't, they couldn't cope with being near other people's children. So again, it's a very um, individual thing. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I did mention before, in a, I think the last episode maybe, that, that Vicky was 21 years ago was at the birth of a mm. child. And um, because her, because um, Selena's mother has always been inclusive of Vicky, they, you know, she's auntie Vicky and has been for 21 yeah, years. What a lovely thing. But there are other people that you, you can't get that from. Mm, mm. so yeah like you say it's very individual and that and that hurts you know and you can't get when when uh, they seem to be I don't know they think you're not I remember I remember a child fell over in a pub once and I scooped this child up and somebody oh Tess you know but I thought that's really that hurt me so much I thought why wouldn't I rescue a kid yeah, like oh, obviously I was perceived as the person who didn't like kids or something. Oh, and that, that's that that thing of the thinking. Kid, people, <laughs> you know, people don't don't well, don't it's get being human. It's just oh, been human, yes, isn't it? It's human instinct. You see a child go down, even if it's a. For me, it is a trigger. I can't be around children. I find it very very oh. difficult. But if a child goes over, I'm not going to leave it on oh. the floor. I'm yeah. going to pick it up, aren't I? So that's a basic human instinct to it's care just, for something it's young. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just wrong, isn't it? You can't sit oh. there and just ignore it. That's yeah, it's just, just no. But there, you see, these are. Um, but that sort of, I just sort of, you know, that really hurt. But I thought, you know, 
that's actually that's their problem isn't it it's not mine i think that's part yeah. of it you've got to work out what's yes. your shit and what's it, theirs basically. It, yeah you have and i think that um a lot of people's misunderstanding and they you know these glib remarks they make and i just think well you know you're not you're not you know you, you you're not a person who has empathy and um so you know i hope that you don't find yourself in the shit at some point and want someone to understand mm. i mean i think i think that anyone who in my experience who's had you know some shit to deal with in their life um they're usually a more rounded more positive person very often in that you're you know you've you've had the bad stuff um so you can um you know you really appreciate the good and um and i think it's a, i think it's a shame that um you know for when when um you know to, to find you know for children to be an area of, of difficulty you know when they are i mean i watch i watch those programs that you know the secret life of five-year-olds and four-year-olds and all those things that will make people that will would have you know back in the day when i was trying probably made me feel very very sad and difficult um now that much older seeing these kids and how small children find their way through life because they have so much to teach us because they're not prejudiced they're just if they fall over they just get straight back up and I get huge pleasure from watching those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, you might find that you, you will, hopefully you'll get to that point where um, kids can, can be a joy. Mm. joy. Um, and I think it's like everything else. It's some days you'll, you'll be fine and other days, for some reason, randomly, you won't be. I mean, that is grief isn't it yeah totally, totally. i mean it, it slaps you in the face completely unexpectedly but you're but i mean i coast through mother's day um with a smile on my face and i um you know whereas before that would have been a, a very difficult day as i say but you know seeing the little girl picking blackberries could be a moment that's you know makes you feel a little bit bit wobbly but i yeah. think that that is that is grief you just you have to give into it sometimes yeah i think you're right do you think um do you think the writing the book was part of you getting through that grief then? i do absolutely yeah. and i don't think i realized it at the time i think i realized it afterwards i think it was um i felt the need for people to to to, to get me and understand me because it had never been my childlessness um had never been acknowledged um i've no i had never been asked uh how it felt or uh asked if it was a choice um, and whether I'm okay with it. I, you know, no one had ever asked me. So I think I thought, um, I want people to know. Um, and to know that, you know, childless women are, are, are still maternal. We're still, we've, we're still, you know, I mean, we're, we're the same and, and childless men, you know, the dads that can't be dads. I mean, they're more forgotten, I think. You know, mm. um, and I mean, there's my husband, he's, I mean, he is a magnet for children. I mean, he's, um, he's, I think probably quite possibly because he's quite childish himself. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I mean, he, we, we used to have sort of, we, we used to be the sort of the joke that, that, that Uncle Des would just sort of wind everybody's children up into a frenzy and then, bye, bye, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. go back to my nice, quiet, peaceful home. 
<laughs> and, um, and I mean, he just embraced that role. And I thought, well, you're just, you know, what a great thing to be. And he said, look, you know, he said, we test, we're, we're just not on this planet to do this, this, this parenthood thing. Um, mm. So, but, you know, nevertheless, um, you know, we can have a lot of fun with, you know, just with, with our lives as they are. And I think that, um, uh, yeah, and as I say, with that, and all the, most of the kids are now, you know, they're getting married. And, and as I say, I mean, I, I think that hopefully a lot of those will, they won't, the, the ones that are close to us anyway, won't assume mm. they can have children. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of learning they can probably take from you, isn't yeah, there, really? I know. One of, you know, one of, uh, one of the young women, she said, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> hopefully if they can have kids. You know, it's, 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 not a, it's not a given now. And I think if somebody is, hasn't appeared with a child after a short, short while of time, people might think, oh, maybe they are struggling, you know. Um, so do you think that's your legacy then? From this book. Oh, oh goodness me! I have never thought of leaving a legacy, <laughs> but um, I think that's yeah. I think part of the part of uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, part of part of it is that because I haven't got any children to leave anything behind for. Yes, to to um, to, to dare to do that would be good. It'd be great, wouldn't it? To to make just just if I just sort of sometimes feel if just somebody's just a little bit more understanding. Just one person. I mean, you say about your, your father's um, writing was ever published. Matt Haig wrote some quote. Oh, here it is. I found it. Um, he said, uh, his, somebody tweeted to him, um, how many books do you need to sell for it to be a success? And his might be corny sort of reply, but he said, one book with one reader who truly loves and appreciates it is a success. Which is fine, of course, if you haven't got to pay the mortgage. <laughs> You know, um, but I sort of thought, well, yeah. And I, body, your last one was about speaking out. Um, you don't realise how valuable that is to people who can't. I mean, I, I think I would have possibly during my treatment and things, I might have been the little person who who never contributed, but just watched and read all the comments. And they they are as, as valuable because um, they're. You know, they'll. But not everyone needs to join in and spout off. Not everyone is as verbose as me. Um, you know, they might just want to just just watch and and read and and get comfort from that. You don't. You it's up to you how you participate, isn't it? But um, just finding like minds is a huge comfort, isn't it? It yeah, really is. Certain. It really is. I think that's the perfect place to. To, to stop, isn't it? Yeah, well, I've really enjoyed it. It's oh. my first podcast, so I hope I haven't, <laughs> haven't dominated too much. But no, first of many, hopefully. Fun. It's been fascinating listening no. to you, and, and obviously, it's really lovely to be introduced to to you and all the and the and the full stop. I think is brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, <laughs> no, I shall look forward to the the rest of them. That'll be great. Oh, so thank you so much. Hey, Say hello to Berenice as well, because I haven't really, I haven't had a chance to chat to Berenice yet, but we'll have that hopefully in the future. Oh, okay. she'll be so jealous. <laughs> so, so jealous now. So before we go, what's, what's next for Tessa? Well, I am writing fiction because I've, I've done that before and I find that I don't want to be just defined by you know, infertility or childlessness. I don't want to do that. So I'm busy writing a novel about a boogie-woogie pianist because that's what I would have liked to have been. 
in a band and she's a teacher and she gets into well she's actually I think she's sort of sort of person that uh, she'll say the sorts of things that I would perhaps be too timid to say or you know so I can sort of play God and um, and have this this life that I want through <laughs> writing about another character so that's so that's what I'm doing now so no awesome I look forward to it because I've just ordered your book for Vicky and I to read while oh, I, was I hope you enjoy it um and I hope I hope next time we're in Cornwall do make sure you have a do. copy day. Yeah, do that would be brilliant. I'd really yeah. appreciate that. No, I've been lovely. I'm astonished you even know where I am. That is brilliant. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Tessa. Oh, it, really has, it has. Too. Thank you so much for asking me. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait for Vicky and I to have that coffee with Tessa. Thank you, Tessa. Oh, and by the way, I don't take sugar in mine. I'm sweet enough. <laughs> okay, so the gracious Leslie Pine is up next. And she has a lovely surprise for us, so please stay tuned. Now, don't forget our website, www.thefullstoppod.com, where you'll find all the show notes, and you can sign up from the newsletter so you don't miss out on anything. All right, enough of me. And as the great Graham Norton says, let's get on with the show. So, hello everyone. Welcome to this part of the podcast where we're talking to the lovely Leslie Pine around her book, Finding Joy Beyond Childlessness. And we're going to be talking around how Leslie's found the writing process, um, how it is to share stories, and a bit about what it's like to be a year on from publishing a book. Um, so, hello Leslie, how are you doing? Uh, hello, hello Leslie. Thank, hi, sorry. Uh, thank you. For, well, I'm, I'm great, and thank you for uh, for asking me to to be part of this. I'm really looking forward to talking to you both. No, it's an absolute pleasure to have you uh, have you on the podcast. I've interview, interviewed you before, and it was fascinating. So it was definitely sure. somebody, you were definitely somebody who wanted to talk to again. So yeah, are you going to fire away, Michael? <laughs> I will. But before I do, I've got a story. I know I'll go down a cul-de-sac already. <laughs> But a couple, about a month ago, I get a I get a, te- a message from my sister, and she lives in the UK in Surrey, and she's gone into I think it might be Waitrose and picked and she likes her, um, she's follows a you know an Eastern religion and sort of ideal, and she's picked up a yoga book, and she go, and she's sending me a picture, and it says here, Michael, look at this person, you want what you know you. Do you know them? Oh, I know Leslie. It was Leslie Pine. <laughs> exactly. It was, yes. I've got another article coming out soon, actually, in Yoga Magazine in, in August. But yeah, they, they took the whole, a whole chapter of my book, which was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. So, so you gave me some real good kudos there, Leslie. For my you. sister's going, wow, you know Leslie. <laughs> so, so while we're on that, tell us a bit about yourself. And um, for those that haven't come across your book, Okay, well, as, as Sarah said, I'm, I'm Leslie Pine, author of Finding Joy Beyond Childlessness. The subtitle of that is Inspiring Stories to Guide You to a Fulfilling Life, because and when we'll talk about that, includes my story and a lot of other, 19 other stories too. Um, I had, or we had, uh, six unsuccessful rounds of IVF um, finished, well, it seems like 100 years ago now, because it is quite a long time, um, and there was no support for me. For us then um, and I boxed up 
my grief and basically I've grieved while I've writing and uh, while I've been while I was writing and I'm, I guess I know we'll, we'll come on to that but yeah and I, I blog as well about about childlessness and about well coming to terms with with life and living a happy life I guess that's uh, yeah yeah, I certainly know where you're coming from there, Leslie. Uh, one of the things that Vicky and I both recognise is that, you know, you have all these IVF treatments and then you just cut adrift, mm. you know, and now what? So it's it's really great that, you know, we all are trying to do something about that. You know, exactly, yeah. I mean, when, when oh, it was 17 years now when we finished treatment and we joined uh, the More to Life, the uh, part of Fertility Network UK. And that's, that was really helpful. And the people that we met there are some of our closest friends now, but there wasn't much else. And now there is an awful lot more support available and there's lots of books and, and that's absolutely fabulous. And it's, as you say, we're all doing our little bit and what resonates you know, my work will resonate with somebody and it might not resonate with someone else. And that's absolutely fine. You know, there, there's such a wide range. I know you've got four authors on here today. So it's great. Absolutely great. that The amount of support that's there now. So you, you mentioned the blog. I mean, we, we all blog as well, that the people on this podcast, how was writing a book different? I mean, it's kind of, how did you find, uh, sort of, how did it represent healing to you? And was it different to the blog? It, was it was a a lot more of a personal process i think um, um I, i've been collecting stories for a few years actually so i and i'd always intended to put them together into into some form of book or, or to collate them and um and i at the same time i'd been i boxed up my grief and i'd started to explore that through through therapy but there was a lot of things in, that the stories had in common and one of those was grieving there was connecting to your body there was self-acceptance there was writing and um i i kind of couldn't ask the reader to do anything that i hadn't done myself so i dug into all those subjects so it, it was a lot more personal and a lot deeper a lot of a deeper process than writing i mean blogging you know what can you say in a thousand words you can say quite a lot but you know there's no opportunity to go right deep in, into things um and the writing process in itself is quite very therapeutic it's got proven uh, benefits to writing so um yeah a lot deeper i guess is, is, is the short answer to that but yeah so did the book so what the book you sort of say you you, you almost had to walk the walk and talk you know exactly basically so um so were you doing these things before you wrote the book or is it just some kind of things that sort of you built on as you were sort of writing it and almost self-discovery uh yes that's right that's a good word to use actually i mean i was doing something and i'd started to i'd have therapy for for a short while because i wasn't grieving and and, and she was helping me to explore um i mean yoga as we've already said it was, it was a big thing to me and connecting i i do believe that there are a lot of trauma i mean there's big trauma and the small trauma and i think childlessness grief is trauma it is stored in our bodies so uh that that was fairly new to me and so i um been going through that the particularly the connecting with my body was was huge um self-acceptance i hadn't really explored but right i mean i've been writing and, and writing daily for quite several years actually so yeah so someone knew but um most of them most of the things were new that i was doing here 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say about trauma in the body because there's a whole there's a whole um, sort of load of research going on to that now, isn't there? Trauma holding it in the body and the, the physical and mental impact of it. So that's quite fascinating. It is actually, and and I think um, some sort of body work, whether it be running um you know swimming something that moves your body or um you know even massage or any sort of some sort of body therapy is really helpful in working through our grief but that's not what we're here to talk about is it <laughs> but yes off topic um, why not so i mean the book itself I mean, i've read the book and i loved it uh, and for me the I think seeing other people's stories made me feel less disconnected, less isolated. Mm. How was it for you in sharing other people's stories? Was it important to you not just to do your own? Absolutely. I think there's that, um, we always th we all think that we're alone and I, I wanted to show that we're, we're not. Um, so that was that one thing. It's, and and you know like you can get through it's not just me saying you can get through to the other side here are 19 other women saying you can get through and and, and i think the other thing for me was to say that there's not one way you know that there's this is there's not this is a there is there is a process that we need to go through but it's not what one size fits all so you know what works for you might not work for me and that's what i wanted to show the different the different ways there's as you know there's a sort of million ways into this place of childlessness but and there are a million ways out so i think that's that's the that's the key you know and, and here are these not just myself and, and you know all of us here but all of those other women who are role models you know that if you can see someone who's worked their way out then it really helps you to know that you can do it too so yeah very important actually yes that's a really good message, yeah. I think, isn't it? Also, also meant that I had to write quite a lot less, which was helpful too. Was there any particular story in there that, that really touched you more than the others? Not Ooh. the names, but was there any one that you thought, oh, that's quite powerful? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, not off the top of my head. I think they're all d different. I, I guess what, what I was... Um, so, some of maybe some of the people who didn't who i mean it's, it's it's sort of easy for us to share our stories isn't it because we're out there doing as, as a friend of mine said doing our childless thing it's those people who didn't perhaps put their real name on it or even the people who did but aren't you know sharing them for the first time a, a friend of mine it was the first time she shared her childless story was on my blog and she did it with her real name and I feel honoured that she did that. Um, I had a story yesterday that I that I, um, I published, and again, it was the first time she published her story, and she was really um, it, it moved her to do that too, and gave her a lot of power, a lot of strength. Um, so I think it's just a it's an honour to share the stories. I think I would say that actually, especially those people who aren't. Uh, normally open to it yeah. no, I totally agree <laughs> how did sharing your story pub publicly help you and the other storytellers so did you get any feedback from from those from those people that mm. um, you know you you mentioned in your book mm. or I, th I think yeah there, there's um I think it, it's about owning your story that's what when you share it and um, 
several people said this that it 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 gives you it it pulls that story back to you once when you keep it hidden which a lot of us do and that's part of the the initial process um everybody else makes assumptions about what it is you're going through and why you don't have children and sharing it it brings that power back to you so i mean there's um what motto is like oh my own my story oh, I've forgotten it now. sorry um show up be seen own my story write the ending and i think that for me that's that thing when once you share it out there in the world you take it back you take it back and then you get to write the ending and you get to say this is me this is why i don't have children and you stop people making assumptions about about you um, that's one thing and i think the other thing is about making peace with it actually then you know it's there okay. it's um you yeah you make peace with it by sharing it it's not inside of you it's you know by sharing it outside did you get any feedback from all of the people that were in your book about what it did for them not necessarily all of them but some you know some of them and you know some of them um because they sh they were shared as stories on my website first and they got incredibly supportive comments okay. um yeah and um i mean as, as, as i could also say that um like we did did an article a few weeks ago for um female magazine and a friend of mine i mean i, I you know like i'm happy to this is what i do have my photo taken um, have my name out there a friend of mine that was the first time she'd shared her story out there in the world and she had a photograph in the, ma in the magazine as well and it really helped her to have to process more and also to, to come to peace with what had happened so yeah it's only good so do, you, I, yeah, so do you see that as part of the uh, the grief process then dealing with the trauma is is kind of because you, you've you've talked about moving towards acceptance which is part of the grief cycle isn't it it is yeah um i think it's a really helpful thing to do if you if you can um i mean writing generally is known really helpful for processing grief and having a perhaps having a daily writing um um process that you know sort of morning pages or something like that it really helps to process and i think that yes sharing your story publicly whether it's in your own name or or not is a really helpful stepping stone as to yeah to get to that level of acceptance i never thought about that before so well yes <laughs> <laughs> i think it's, it's also um i mean i i've done a lot of journaling and i've talked about this before in mm. Our previous episode but i find with journaling as well it's almost it's like it's, it's accepting your story isn't it accepting your backstory even though you're not publicly sharing it you are almost mm. owning it as you say isn't it it's kind of a, a similar process. people aren't ready to be in a magazine to put their name on something it can it that can be a start I, I, absolutely um you know there are it's proven that that there are therapeutic benefits for writing and it gets all that stuff out of your head and and there's only um you know there's only a certain length of time you can rant if you like and i think after a couple of pages you know some that that kind of voice comes back and and you do get you know it's like it's like having a therapist on hand isn't it because you know we know all this stuff inside and, and sometimes it's the writing that can help to bring it out 
yeah, I think it's uh, writing is is really really helpful. <clears throat> Leslie, how how did you did you have a plan to write this book? So how did you physically sort of say to yourself, right, I'm writing a book. This is what I've got to do to do it. <clears throat> Well, I had, I, I'm very much into coloured pens and post-it notes, so I had a big chart with, the, I planned it out, I had some help to do that, but I planned it out into the different chapters, uh, and that evolved over time, but I had it all on post-it notes on my walls, just, um, and, um, and I, I concentrated on a chapter at a time, and um, it was, uh, for me, I think everyone has their own way that to write, and I, I just had to, separate minimize the distractions take the internet off and just concentrate on writing you know have no music um and you know just work out what what what, what worked best for me which was sitting quietly in the house and actually not at my normal computer because i knew that they were the that was the place i i could faff about quite easily so i sat at a different desk with a um you know so it was finding out what works for you if you're going to write i think you know not what there's not one like stories not one size fits all but um yeah and i i shared chapters at a time with with friends and um people for feedback because you don't know what whether what you're writing will resonate and um yeah, the first time I got the feedback back made me, made me cry because, you know, you sit there and, you, and you're, you're typing away and you don't know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to know that it was, was really helpful. So so are you a, a morning, afternoon or evening writer? Uh, morning, really, mostly. Yeah, morning's better for me, actually. Although, once I get into it, I just keep going. I think that was uh, sort of, but not, not evenings. I, I switch off for evenings, do other things. But yeah. <clears throat> We mentioned in the introduction that it's, it's been a year now since it, mm. it's come out. Um, what have you learnt since then? What have you learnt since its uh, publication? Um, well, a couple of things. I think the first one would be this work is never done. There's always more that you can do. Um, you know, I've recently um, lost a couple of friends and that grief process comes back. But you 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 work through things at a different level, I think, that um, of it's like um like a spiral you know you, you 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 come to your grief initially at the bottom and then gradually work your way up and you learn tools as you go so each time it's not not as as, as challenging but I, on the other hand that you know I, I love that there's always more to learn and i'm you know sort of a curious um keep keep learning uh, and i think as we've already said actually the second thing is the importance of story um the story that we tell ourselves is absolutely key to the life we live and and uh, you know i have heard and and seen some childless people saying i'll always feel sad and and it just thinks i no, actually you don't have to and I, you know i do i do get complimented if that's the right word on my tough love sometimes on my blogs but uh, it just thinks you know you don't have to be sad there is work to be done and you can do it but you you can have that great life um despite your biggest dream not coming true um i think you know it's been reinforced o over the year um yeah so would that be your biggest message then from the book is you put the work in, you don't have to feel that way exactly i almost wanted to call it you can but that that was uh, but you know that, that i think that is the biggest message actually yes not just of my book but also that all of that drives me to do what i do yeah. the whole ethos exactly yeah yeah that'll be one for the toolbox 
So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna we had the idea of saying we want to ask every person who comes on the podcast one th what is the one thing that you want to leave you know our audience with. So there we go. There's Leslie Paul. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for Leslie Pine? Well, I'm not sure exactly. It's an interesting time, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I carry on blogging. That's, that's the main thing. You know, I, I carry on um, collecting stories and I'd love to share your stories. And if anybody else, anyone on the, uh, who's listening would like to publish their story, um, yeah, please drop, drop me a line. Um, and I think for me, it's also that, um, carry on being curious. Um, I just follow my curiosity. I'm interested in, in a few different things, keep learning, keep studying and, and see where that, that leads me. And, and that, you know, that's, yeah, that's where I am. That's a fantastic way to be. I, I believe in that. Stay curious, mm. stay nosy. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, I, was, I was going to say you're in good company here because us two, we're nosy but. <laughs> <laughs> well that was that's what makes you good interviews then yeah <laughs> oh. well leslie thank you so much for the interview um it's been a real pleasure talking to you mm -hmm. um is there anything else that you would like to share yeah I'd, I'd love to give away a copy of my book if it's in the uk it'd be a a, a, a paperback if it's Elsewhere in the world, um, a Kindle version. And now for our exciting competition. You can win a copy of Leslie Pine's book, Finding Joy Beyond Childlessness. You can read more about this book on Leslie Pine's website, www.lesliepine.co.uk. If you're in the UK, we'll send you a printed book. If you're elsewhere in the world, it will be an ebook download. All you need to do to enter is to sign up for our newsletter. Head over to thefullstoppod.com and you'll be entered to win Finding Joy Beyond Childlessness by Leslie Pine. We will randomly draw the winner on the 31st of July 2019. We'll let you know by email, we'll feature you in our next newsletter and you'll get a shout out on our next episode. Good luck. Now we do realise we had a lot of content this month but we know how important telling your story is for the acceptance process. Now, of course, done in your own way. Now, we'll have all the details for Lorna, Annie, Tessa and Leslie's work in the show notes on their website, so please don't forget to visit there. And of course, we're on all major social platforms and we would love to hear from you. Now, if you have enjoyed what you've experienced so far, you might consider giving us a five-star rating the more the ratings we get, the more the podcast is seen and you are helping us spread the love. Now, don't forget next month, it's all about us guys. The dynamic of Rod Silvers, Dr. Robin Hadley and myself, I think is going to be a fun experience. So we'd love to answer any questions that you're dying to ask about how we as men deal with being childless and our acceptance journey. And as always it's extremely important for us to let you know you are not alone.